Hello everybody and welcome to a fan critical film podcast and today we are going to be covering the film It which was released uh, a couple of weeks ago now and has had critical acclaim and people are saying it's one of the best sort of horror or light horror films uh, to be released theatrically in many a year. Today I'm joined by Gareth Evans all the way down from Australia. Hello. Uh, hi Gaz, thanks for thanks for uh, thanks for joining us or me here. Usually there would be um, about four or five of us. However, it turns out that horror is a bit too much for pretty much the rest of our members. So they they were too scared to go see the film. So it's only me and you here today, Gaz. I know, mate. I mean, it's um, yeah. I mean, saying thanks for joining us is a bit of an exaggeration, isn't it? Yes. Well. You know, just to say there's going to be a big spoiler warning for the film It. So if you haven't seen the film, um, you probably shouldn't be listening to this. But if you have seen it, then please listen on. But um, what did you what did you think of this film? After you came out of cinema, what did you think about the film? Um, so like, I went and saw it in, um, in one of those like little old fashioned cinemas as well. And I was in like a small... It was in a small um, screen, like room. There were about there were about twelve people in there with me, and that was like half of the capacity. So it was really like I think it's a sort of film that is helped by that, like the setting that I saw it in. So I came out and felt kind of like I was I was in their world, and um, I really enjoyed it. Like it's one of those films that I think has just captured this. Um, this vibe that is really popular at the moment of trying to recreate like the eighties, and, um, and I thought it did that well. It had that had that uh, that atmosphere that you know things like Stranger Things have, have managed to, um, to to recapture as well. For me, it was a pleasant surprise overall. I actually I, I went in with lower expectations and they were exceeded. Well, that's good. That's good. And and and. Just to check, have you, I mean, have you ever seen the 1990s miniseries It's where Tim Curry um, played Pennywise the Clown? Um, do, you, do you remember that version of Pennywise? Did you ever watch that as a child? No, well, um, so that's, that's the other thing. I, like, I'm coming, came into watching this film as pretty much an It amateur. I've seen the original film. Um, but I haven't read the book. I haven't seen the miniseries. The, um, the original film is the miniseries. It, oh shit! What? So, so basically, this is the thing. Um, everyone remembers um, Pennywise, you know, with the big head, like Tim Curry being uh, Pennywise the clown, and everyone always thinks, "Oh yeah, that 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 film that came out." It was it was actually a miniseries that was like two long epi- longish episodes on TV. Me- it it was only because, ever, go on. Well, no, I've watched I watched that with with you. You made yeah. me watch that yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. So um, I've seen that. I didn't realize it was a miniseries. I thought that was just a film. No. What um, point? So what? At what point does the first episode end? Does it end before they like go and chase him down the sewers? Yeah, it's it's kind of split into the the kids and the adults, which we'll get onto later. But it's just funny that everyone always thinks that you know this. that this film was really like quite groundbreaking and stuff but it was just on tv and the only thing that's amazing about that film is tim curry as pennywise because 
he's terrifying and like he pretty much scared me as a child when i first saw it i was like i don't know i must have been about seven or eight years old and just seeing that i mean i don't know what my parents were letting me do doing watching that that's just mental that they did that but um when i saw it, it literally scarred me for the next couple of years growing up i was terrified of clowns and pennywise but recently i re-watched the um that miniseries and I have to say, I, I rewatched it before going to see this, just so I could refresh my memory and try and get over that fear. Um, and I have to say, it is one of the worst films I've ever seen. It is awful. Uh, uh, like, it's just terribly acted. Like, apart from Tim Curry as Pennywise, it is bad. It is really bad. So um, then going to see this uh, in the cinema was just mind-blowing in terms of that because it was just on a different level. I know you mentioned the sort of 80s sort of nostalgia of it and the Stranger Things vibe. And it's it's important to remember that, you know, Stranger Things, Stephen King is a massive influence on Stranger Things. Uh, mm. All A lot of Stephen King's books, um, and there are lots, I mean, I haven't read all of them, but I've read quite a few, a lot of them focus on this sort of, you know, these kids trapped in suburbia and these sort of feelings of, you know, being trapped in your community and being powerless as a child and all of these different sort of themes. They run throughout his books. And um, it is definitely, an, uh, you know, an influence on Stranger Things because it's a group of kids um, fighting a supernatural <clears throat> being um, in, you know, a very suburban area of... Um, Maine in America so you know there's lots of parallels to be drawn there it's just it's just a, it's good to know that you know strange stranger things took all of these really cool things that had been sort of lost in cinema for a while like you know your ETs um, yeah, yeah. all that sort of thing and they brought it back to the forefront and brought back that sort of nostalgia element which is really nice another film like that um a few years back was Super 8 as well yeah um if you remember when that uh when that came out it the big thing about that was like it's um harking back to those et days yeah and um yeah that kind of like f sort of family adventure sort of film it and that's but then this is going to the next level and that at its heart is what this film this film is an adventure film like as much mm. as we like to say oh it's a horror film it's not it's like an adventure horror it's kind of like the goonies but just a bit scare you know scarier you know, it's that kind of, it's that kind of level. It's like quite Spielbergian, you know, like we said about E.T. and all that stuff in that way is, you know, it's got those elements to it. And I definitely think this is, this comes across as like an adventure film, but it's still very scary. I I, I was, you know, pretty scared. For whole, I, I love horror films and I, I like making myself scared. Um, but there are a couple of set pieces in the, um, in this film, which I thought were, were absolutely terrifying. What was the scariest moment in the film, do you reckon? So my favourite my favorite set piece or scary bit in the film, I thought the bit in the garage was was yeah. excellent. I thought that was yeah. excellent. Um, so he's in the projector, they're going through the pictures and it, he suddenly comes to life in the garage. And I was like, I was not expecting that at all. And it was, um, it was just great. Oh, I was like jumping out of my chair a little bit. That was the bit that captured my imagination from the trailers was seeing the like the projector running through and um, you know that photo just kind of changing and and Pennywise's face being revealed behind the hair. 
um, that that terrified me in the trailer. Yeah. And then the next the next bit of that is when it sort of comes out and is giant and I don't know the whole yeah, that was just so horrific. It was terrifying. The structure of the film, you know, the the book is a ma- it's a massive book and and it follows um, the kids as with yeah. their experience with uh, it. And then them as adults also confronting their fears that they have of him as from when they were a child, from when they were children. And this film solely focused on the kid aspect of of the story to this point. We know there's going to be a sequel because um, it's already been greenlit. And at the end of the film, it said it too coming. But what did you think about the decision to just focus on the kids in this film? Yeah, I love it. Uh, um, this is the thing... Like, so, you know, I've been um, talking to you a little bit um, outside this about my, uh, this sounds like I'm going way off topic, but I'm not really, about my SNES Classic. And one of the great things about the SNES Classic that I have is the game Earthbound. And Earthbound is an RPG. Lovely game. Lovely game. Has, has, inspired um things like south park like trey parker and matt stone have said like the game earthbound is one of our biggest inspirations because it was like the first game that kind of took um that made adults kind of a like bystanders in in the story and the kids are the ones who are going around solving the problems and there's something about that that is just like so encapsulating like i don't know you just you, you buy it because i think everybody kind of um is reminded of like adventures that you went on as a kid and you kind of think that they're the most important thing in the world and they probably weren't but you fully believe that they are i think that's a great thing to have in this film i think is what kind of makes the film what it is personally yeah so i think the kids were brilliant in this film i i think um there was even one from stranger things in there um, playing he, one of the, he's the best one. He's so good. He's very talented actor. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he's great. Wolf, his, his name's like Finn Wolf. Oh, that's it. Like, yeah, it's cool name as well. Cool, cool name. Good actor. You always worry a little bit that um, with child with child actors that they might not be able to pull off like the sort of um, necessary emotion and and sort of f- fear and all these other things that come into it. But I thought they were great. I thought. Um, I just, I just was so happy that they decided to focus on just the kids for this, for this, for this film. While you're talking about that, can I be slightly mean about one or two of them? Um, in mean in what respect are you going to bully them? Because that you know they are the yeah. lose, they're the losers' club. You know they're meant to be, they are meant to be bullied. But I think hey. you know bullying them in real life that may be taking it too far. No, no, no. I mean, I wouldn't do that if you and I were growing up in in this town we would be Derry, in that club Derry like, Maine um, one of the kids wasn't that good an actor are you gonna um, I, I, let me guess which kid you're gonna say let me guess oh, which kid you're gonna oh. say you're gonna say the Jewish kid yeah see I just knew it anti-semitic behaviour on this podcast will not be tolerated <laughs> hold on because two of them were, two of them were Jewish the other Jewish one was my favourite one. I think that was um, Finn Wolfhard was Jewish as well. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Yeah. I would dax my comment. Um, so 
there you go. Definitely not anti-Semitic. However, he was not that good an actor, was he? The um, the other Jewish kid. All the other kids, even though they're like losers, are quite defiant. Like they all like put up a fight, you know. And he he he's not really that defiant a character. So, um, I think he had quite a hard job. But I thought overall, like if you know, if you've got like five or six or seven kids and six of them are good, I think that's a really good really good effort uh on it is good i guess I, I guess at the moment though we're kind of spoiled with the quality of of child actors because like you look at stranger things and they're just all amazing aren't they and that's kind of that's, that's kind of redefined expectations i reckon personally yeah i thought for the most part it was very well acted very well scripted um and I loved the fact that it was set in the 80s. Now, I know we mentioned the 80s earlier. You know the original is not set in the 80s. Is it set in, like, the 50s? Yeah, it's, like, late 50s, early 60s, I think. Did you know that? Did you know that? So... Yeah, oh, yeah now that you've said it, I remember, yes. They've made, yeah. a, they've made a specific sort of change there, which I think definitely, like you said, is helping it, um, you know, with this nostalgia and everything like that. And, and it just seems to... I mean... I think if Stephen King were to write this book again now, I think he would definitely probably set it in the 80s because I just think there's so much more sort of like feeling and emotion um, for us, the, the people who would read the book now. So I, I just think that moving it to the 80s was such a clever such a clever device that they used. So what did you think of Pennywise himself? Mm. So pe- played by Bill Skarsgård, um, when initially was cast, I was a bit um, a bit dubious. Um, I thought the his interpretation of him was great, very terrifying, and I thought he brought some new sort of little elements to Pennywise that hadn't that weren't there in the in the original miniseries. Do you know what I think it's all about? Is his bottom lip? Yeah, definitely. It's like weird, isn't it? It's and too dribb- big. And he dribbles all the time, like and it's, yeah. and it's just like it's just like so disturbing. Like he'll be like tall. So that first scene, the famous scene um, from the miniseries and from the this uh, remake and the book, Georgie going out, uh, going out of his little paper boat on the in the rain and sailing his boat down the down the street and it goes down the drain and then. He goes up to the drain and then Pennywise <laughs> pops up and is really, really creepy, like fucking creepy, like just saying some really weird things. And um, I'll always remember that as a kid, that scene, you know, hey, you Georgie, <laughs> like just really terrifying. Um, and then it happened again, like you're watching this, like, hey, there, Georgie. And I was just like, oh, what is this? bloody Mate, you're thing. nailing these impressions yeah both of them yeah yeah they're kind of different but you know i it's stuck in my mind from when i was a kid you know that that's terrifying um <laughs> but that opening scene in the miniseries and in this film is so important uh establishes the character and i thought what bill skarsgård did with the dribbling and this this sort of like you said his bottom lip quivering and just all this like like you know, he's salivating at the mouth to sort of eat this kid. Like, it's yeah. pretty fucked up. Um, and I thought the kid playing Georgie was excellent. Uh, um, and he's like six. Yeah, for a little Georgie. I mean, he really sold it. 
But um, what did you think of that opening scene? Um, well, it was a, it was a lot more brutal than I was expecting. Like, oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, having his arm bitten off it was like, oh Jesus, I wasn't expecting to see that at this point in the film. No, but um, they got it like perfectly. They they got they did that scene perfectly. I think. I think they just turned it up to eleven. So the original yeah. like. Obviously, you've got him in the drain, and he takes he takes Georgie or whatever. But that's that moment where he's like, "What about your boat? You know, you come and take your boat." And then uh, it, all those teeth come out, which is looks horrendous and wicked at the same time. Like I was just so impressed with that, and it just bites Georgie's arm off, and just this big hand comes out, and you get this big aerial shot over the top. This giant clown hand just comes and pulls him into the drain. I was just like. Fucking hell, that is, that was just, I thought it was a bit much, but like a little yeah. six-year-old kid, armless, getting dragged into a drain by a clown. I was like, right, I know this is going to be a good uh, adaptation. The moment I saw that, because yeah. not only was it scary, it was disturbing, it sold the character of Pennywise, and I knew that they weren't going to be afraid to like go to some quite horrific places. You're right about the teeth as well. Like how uh, there's something horrible about too many teeth. Oh, it's Do you know what disgusting. I mean? Yeah, I mean Tim Tim Curry's um, version of Pennywise had a lot of teeth, uh, mm. like they'd like outward facing and all jagged and horrible, but they weren't like. I mean, this guy's got like ten thousand teeth. <laughs> you know, I, he's got a lot of teeth. He's dentist bill is very very expensive. Um, <laughs> It was, I just couldn't, I thought it was great. I just absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, that was a great start. I mean, now, the only criticism I'm going to have of it as a whole after that is that none of the other kids died, really. Um, a couple of the bullies died, but Sorry. a couple of the bullies died, but not, there was, you know, they had an opportunity to kill one or two of these kids and they didn't do it. Now, I'm pretty certain that in the book they don't die yet mm. or they might die in the future when they're adults. But um, I thought it was a it was a bit of a cop-out not to kill any more of the children. Um, well, especially after that start where yeah. it's like, you know, they obviously they clearly aren't um, afraid to be brutal. And then... Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, beyond that point, it was a lot of plot armor. So a lot of taking taking his time to kill people where there was no need for him to take his time to and kill them. I think that is my my only problem really with this film is that it set up some, it, it didn't set any rules. So like, in you know, most horror has rules, that there's certain rules that are adhered to and, and the monster has certain boundaries that it can sort of go to. There were there was no sort of rules um, with Pennywise. Like in the first scene, like we said, he just goes, "Oh, I'm hungry. I'm gonna eat Georgie's arm and take him down the drain." Yeah. And then later on, he was like, "It was like, no, I need them to be really afraid." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And and it was like, I I know that's a point that he feeds on the fear. But they they were obviously terrified, like more terrified than probably Georgie was in that opening scene, and yet he wasn't eating them whole. So and then and then there was a rule where um, if there's more than one of them, he can't seem to do anything. Um, 
Do you know what I mean? Like every time, every yeah. time more than one of them was in that place, he was yeah. like, "Oh well, I can't finish my business." Yeah, so I think that was my only big problem with it was the fact that there that there was you know no real bound. There was basically these kids were just unkillable, which which took me out of it a little bit. Like after the scene in the house where they go to his house for the first time. Uh, which was terrifying. The whole scene was terrifying. Um, I realised that none of the kids are probably going to die. So, and and that kind of takes you out of the horror a little bit. You know, when you when you when you when you when you kind of get the feeling that they're invincible. You know. Yeah. No, that's um, it's a bit jarring. You've got this the losers club. You've got the losers club who are, um, you know this, you know misfit sort of group. Um, of kids who have been all brought together by this, you know, some were already friends, but by this, you know, by this other shared fear of Pennywise. But at the same time, they're all, they're all sort of tormented kids just in real life anyway by these bullies. So there's a real good sort of like um, contrast between the real life sort of things they go through and this otherworldly adventure that they go on. What did you re- reckon to that? So, I yeah do you know what I've actually got I'm a little bit disappointed in the bullies because um, for me right a group of a group of misfits like these boys are they're like they're misfits because they they're geeks right and to be that geeky and sort of innocent in a lot of ways they can't have bullies that are that intense. Do you know what I mean? Like, if they're in a place where there are bullies that are pulling knives on them and beating the shit out of them, like mm. these guys are, mm. then they're going to be hardened a little bit more than they are. So it's like they're they're almost like bullies from like the Bronx in the eighties or something, and these are like little small town main um, like geeks. Yeah. Well, so it's like there's there's a mismatch between them and their bullies. I think the bullies were a bit extreme in the film. Personally, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, taking a knife, taking a knife to um, oh, what's his name, the big lad, the big the big kid, taking a knife to his belly was just like I was a bit like, well, you've gone a bit far here, like. Um, but yeah, I I did kind of like the parallels between the bullying and then the sort of fear of Pennywise and this like they run sort of parallel to each other and they bring them these characters all together I I think what I think the situation should be that um, they they have these these bullies that they're scared of like anybody would be scared of a bully if you're like 13 years old and they're gonna put your head down a toilet or they're gonna pull your pants down in class or whatever. Like, that's that's what you should be scared of as a 13-year-old if you're going to be scared of stuff. And then you've got this clown which takes it to the next level rather than, oh, I'm scared of these guys that are going to stab me and also I'm scared of this clown that's kind of equally as scary, really. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, it should be, it should be the next level up and because the... Because the, the, the bad guys were so extreme and they were like basically definitely going to kill somebody sometime soon. Yeah. 
it's it's sort of it's just at a similar level of fear really yeah in a way, you know. well obviously there's none of the bullies left now which is uh interesting uh for, <clears throat> for the future developments i mean in the book uh just to lightly touch on it i'm pretty certain that the that the the main bully who uh killed his father and then uh, went after the boys when Bowers. they it was Henry Bowers, isn't it? He, um, I'm pretty certain in the books he gets blamed for all of the murders that Pennywise has done, and then he's in like mm. some sort of mental institution. So it'll be interesting to see how how that sort of pans out in the in the sequel um, because maybe maybe he's not dead. I mean, he got pushed down a well in this one, but we didn't see him die, you know. So. Feasible that he could still be alive. Did you think that the film was a bit too many set pieces in a row, and did you think there was too many of them? So, at, you know, we went through each of the kids' individual fears, and that took about yeah. forty minutes. Um, but it yeah. just literally cut to each one. It wasn't like a bit more nicely woven together. It wasn't like natural. It was like, oh, here's Mike's fear. Oh, you know. His um, Bev's fear, his you know, his these these individual characters' fears played out in these set pieces, um, and as much as I love some of the set pieces, um, I just thought that at the start when it was just setting up everyone's fears, it was just a bit too like here's one, here's the second, here's the third, um, and it could have been a bit more fluent and sort of gone with the story a bit more like we didn't need to see all of the kids fears do you know what do you know what i mean like we we, we got the point after about three of them i totally agree and it was like um i don't know it was like um some of them were like episodes of goosebumps yeah was, which was wicked i mean yeah like are you afraid of the dark that other show that was like goosebumps that's like, so cool like i love i love them it was cool but um i actually like i that was probably my first thought when you you mentioned like the structure of the film i was like there's that section where it's just like all right yeah we'll just we'll, it's basically like bullet points um you know like oh yeah so here's is his like bev's fear and now we'll see ben's fear and now we'll see um what's his name the main guy um we'll and, and it's just like you say it's just ticking them all off and the the Jewish kid, bad actor. Yeah. After his fear, I didn't. I didn't. I th- well, I didn't know whether he was still around. I thought he might have been dead because we don't actually see like the. Yeah, I mean that the way the painting is terrifying. Yeah, the pa- painting is weird. Um, Wobbly faced woman. I, and anyway, she comes after him, and then it like cuts away, and then we go see the next kid's fear, and then the next kid's fear, and then the next kid's fear. And then it's only a few scenes down the track where he's just there and he's like, oh, hey, um, I'm, let's go to the park. And you're like, oh, right, he is still alive. Um, I, I, I have no idea. I think that is the problem. Go, going back to what we said just a minute ago about there being rules for Pennywise and that we, we weren't quite sure what the boundaries are because... In each of though, in each of the manifestations that the kid sees, you kind of feel like Pennywise is completely in control, and if he wanted to, he could just kill him right there and then. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he get away is like every single one of them gets away without being hurt at all, 
I just thought was a that's just where it starts to push the sort of push push it a little bit, you know, like just take us out of that moment because you just kind of feel like, well, if Pennywise wanted to, he doesn't need to play all these little games. He could just like take the kid. Do, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I'm not criticizing it because I still think that you know the, the set pieces were really fun and scary, um, and the different manifestations that Pennywise it takes up. Um, some of them are genuinely terrifying, like the painting woman and um, is it the, oh. he- the headless guy in the library. And headless terrifying. Yeah, just the way he moves. Um, and I, lo- I love those manifestations. I just wanted there to be a bit more at stake because although I was like on the edge of my seat for the whole film, as I said, eventually it started to become more and more clear that these kids are essentially bulletproof. Um, which is the only criticism I can really draw upon it. Because if one of the main kids had died, I think it would have really upped the stakes. Like you you would fear for everyone else, you know? And it's like, I know maybe they don't die necessarily in the book, but um, there's nothing wrong with adapting uh, the source material uh, for a current audience. Like nowadays, you know, with, with things like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead, we're used to seeing major characters in in the popular culture in popular culture tv shows and films dying um and i just think it would have been good to really like throw a cat amongst the pigeons and maybe kill one of the kids um that's just my that's my thought i thought one of them was going to um in the house the hypochondriac eddie um i thought he was going to die oh he's great he's great he's a great actor he's awesome yeah Um, yeah he was great yeah, um, big fan. Don't you, didn't you think when he got separated oh. and ended up in the room on his own with all the clowns, um, I thought he was in trouble. I thought the whole scene in the house was brilliant. I thought it, I thought Eddie was a goner. Um, but, you know, all the kids rally together. And that's what this film is about. It's about these kids rallying together and facing their fears. Um, the power as a, of friendship. It's essentially the power of friendship, yeah, in a really cheesy sort of way. It's like the power of friendship, but it's also, you know, them facing their real life fears and facing those supernatural fears and overcoming big obstacles in their lives up to this point. Mm. Um, And what did you think of the ending where they all sort of, you know, Bev gets captured and they go into uh, the sewers again. Um, Well, they go into the sewers, sorry, to, to rescue Bev. And then uh, you, you see little Georgie or the manifestation of Georgie. Um, and I thought it was quite brutal. Like he just goes up to his like kid brother or this, you know, you don't know, it could be Georgie. And he just puts a bullet in his head. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's pretty, pretty extreme. But, um, you know, poor Georgie he had his arm bitten off and now he gets a bullet to the brain. Um, <laughs> not having a good day. He's not having a good day. No. I, well, like at first, I was like, "Oh yeah, well done, Bill, you've nailed it, mate." It, that obviously isn't Georgie. But then there was a few seconds where like nothing happened. I yeah. Was like, oh shit! <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that if it was just it, it, his brother had just been sitting there waiting for months, like in this dungeon, and yeah. <laughs> then he finds Bill and he shoots him. Yeah, that would have been heartbreaking. Um, that- but yeah, I mean that was that was brutal. Um, 
but then <laughs> then like his clown shoes pop out and stuff and it's all a bit it's all a bit um, uh sketchy isn't cartoon. it yeah <laughs> i think the end does get a bit silly but i quite like it still because there's no way of really like um you know illustrating what they have to do to, to, to defeat pennywise it's always going to be a bit little bit tacky you know a group of friends standing together and like hitting it and they're all little kids and he's like this demigod monster thing i mean it's just like it's a bit silly but I, I did love the ending and i loved um i loved the little meeting they have afterwards um where they all say like oh you know if this ever comes back you know you, you, please remember you know what you've got to do um we've got to come back yes, and stop I, it after after all they've been through those are some seriously deep cuts that they're inflicting upon themselves for that little you know blood <laughs> blood bond. ritual the blood bond yeah that was a bit extreme wasn't it i was like just prick your finger i mean what, what are you doing so just prick your finger then you're done but no they're like giving themselves serious lifelong scars some of them are going to need medical attention after that like stitches will be needed yeah um, <laughs> you just survived this like monster clown thing just call it on cutting yourself yeah um so they, they all have this, like, blood packs that they're going to come back and stop Pennywise. They're not sure if they've killed him, basically. Um, and as we know, he, you know, one of the only rules that we that we do have with him is that he only resurfaces every 27 years to feed. Um, and he likes feeding on children because they're easier to scare. And that's how, that's how he gets his, you know, sustenance, as it were, from fear and killing, like, frightened frightened creatures um so they're all going to come back and we're assuming that the sequel will be um them as adults now i think the sequel is going to be a lot harder for people to sort of get behind mainly because if you cut the kids out now um yeah I just feel like no matter who you cast as as the um, adults, because right now they've got the world as their oyster, like the director and um, and the studio, because they could probably, with the success of this film, it is. I think it's officially the highest grossing horror film of all time in box office. Um, in terms of like, yeah, I was reading that earlier. So uh, like, un, unadjusted for inflation, it is the highest grossing. Yes. So. Um, so oh, highest grossing, highest grossing R-rated yeah, horror film. That's right, yeah, that's right. That's what yeah. I was looking for. So they've essentially got the ability now to cast whoever they want as these adults. You know, they could have like Joaquin Phoenix playing, like you know, you know, they could have some amazing people playing. They could. There, there's already rumours of um, is it Jessica Chastain playing Bev? Uh, there's all of these characters that they could get and that would be amazing to see all these great actors on screen together and, and be the adult losers club but I feel it would be a mistake if they just focused on the adults in the second part of the film so yeah. I hope they keep the kids around in some part like you know that there's quite a lot that happens I think in the immediate aftermath of that first encounter with Pennywise and the sewers in the books um, where the kids have sort of lost all their innocence um, I think they go I mean, it's been a while. I haven't really read it for a long time, but I think, like, Bev sleeps with all of the kids. 
I know this sounds Brilliant. that sounds weird. I think she like has sex with a lot of the kids individually and sort of like that fractures the group slightly and like I think it's all just like their loss of innocence basically gets really drilled into you. So they'd be quite cool if they sort of still had the kids in it for some of that sort of stuff and there was like a bit more like it's meant to be where it's like an adult section and then in a kid section. You know what I mean? Like a flashback sort of thing. Yeah, right. And I'm kind of hoping that's what they go for in the um, in the sequel. Because we what about, go on. What about new kids? Could it be new kids? And then yeah. so like you know, 27 years from now, they help. it's new kids, and yeah. then like the, the adult version of Losers Club hear about it, and then they all come in for the second half of the film or whatever. Yeah. And, so why don't we drop a little bit of book knowledge, uh, rough book knowledge, and um, try and figure out what's going to happen in this sequel. So basically we know it takes 27 years for Pennywise to resurface. Um, and in 27 years time, each of our characters in the loser club and the losers club are going to be, you know, still losers. Um, the, the funny thing is I'm pretty sure that the events with Pennywise the first time round, they kind of forget about it. Um, like mm-hmm. some sort of like supernatural amnesia. They kind of like forget and they drift away from this sort of trauma that they've been through. But their lives right. have all been very heavily affected by it to the point of which that they're suffering from like PTSD and never really fulfilled their potential in life, uh, dead end jobs, um, dead end relationships, uh, all of that sort of stuff. So it's really like affected them like in a horrible way. Like, you know, they're not the people they should be and they never have been able to sort of live their lives to their full potential. Um, so that's depressing. It's very depressing, uh, which is why I think I, that's, that's why I think you need to keep the kids <laughs> because mm. I could easily see the, the, the follow-up film being very depressing. Um, when all these adults come back, but they, they all get drawn back together and they all have to finally defeat Pennywise. Um, now (laughs) in the books or in the book, sorry, there is, um, it's a bit more, how do I say otherworldly? Um, so Is, is Pennywise an alien? He's not an alien. He's essentially a God, um, of some sort. So, in terms of alien, yeah, he didn't. He's not from Earth. Like, I mean, that's he's, the definition of alien. Yeah, fine, okay. Yeah, you're right. He's kind of an alien then. But he, <laughs> I just, I just never thought about describing it that way. Um, basically, yeah. he is like one of these like demigod creatures that was created like in another dimension or something, and. <laughs> The kids, the kids that basically find out about this because a giant uh, turtle, follow, stick with me, called uh, Maturin or Maturin <laughs> or something like that, um, appears to the kids in another dimension and tells them how to defeat Pennywise. <laughs> so, right. so, do you think it was a good idea that they kept that out of the film um, so far? Yes. You yes, do, you do think that's a good idea, do you? Well, I mean, yes. The, the, most of this is kind of 
I don't know, like grounded in reality aside from the like shape shifting clown monster. Mm. Well, to then so go, oh yeah, by the way, there's a turtle called Maturian. Yeah. Why, why is that his name? What is that? What does that mean? So and basically, St- Stephen King books, you know, you've heard the sort of um, people say that most of Stephen King's books are all sort of in universe. So, in um, one universe. In, in in yeah in their multiverse he's got his own like multiverse if you've ever read the dark tower series that'll sort of shed a bit more light on realities and dimensions and all this stuff within stephen king's sort of lore and basically yeah it is a thing that's been around since the dawn of the universe um and so has maturin who is the turtle and the turtle is a good sort of being and it is an evil being um it found its way to earth and has been there for millions and millions of years um and eventually you know now there's humans and it terrorizes humans um so it is a bit out there but i'm pretty certain that in the next film i think this is going to be coming into it i think they're going to be bringing the sort of other dimension giant turtle situation into into the story was well, the only the only way they can so spoiler alert again for more book stuff, but the only way they I th- I think that the way they defeat it is they do something called the ritual of ch- chewed or something like that, and and yeah. and to do that, uh, I think that that is going into like its psyche, like they they do this ritual so they can go into his brain. I, I can't remember, but I remember it being something like that, and. <clears throat> they can't really find out about this ritual to, de- to to actually defeat him if they don't meet the giant turtle. <laughs> <laughs> if someone just heard that in isolation, they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, I've heard it with context and I'm still thinking, what the hell are you talking about? But in a way, I don't know. I kind of I like it. Like, I want to I wanna see this turtle. It just, it's just that it's like, that's a, it just feels like a totally different story and film. And I'm like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with maturing and versus Pennywise. That could be, that, that could be a, a great movie. I just don't understand how it fits into the town of Derry in Maine. No, it doesn't. And but I, I, I guess, I guess that's the idea. These kids came across this otherworldly being because he is an otherworldly being and the only way to defeat him because he's essentially undefeatable, like he's a like demigod kind of character. The only way to do it is by getting help from another, you know, demigod type of character. But I just thought it was interesting that they left it all out. Um, I think it was definitely the right move to leave it out to make this appealing to a larger audience at this stage. Um, because it would have been it would have been so weird if people were like halfway through this film and then they get taken to the turtle and then they, they get told all this stuff. I mean, it just would have been so weird. I remember reading it. I remember reading it and being like, what is this? <laughs> like, like, um, I actually have seen a theory about this um, and that there are a couple of little references. Um, and the very first scene that we spoke about earlier, have you seen this? When um, Georgie is running after his little boat yeah. and he hits his head on the um like that 
bollard eating. Yeah. Uh, in the background is a big mound that's covered up by some sort of tarpaulin. Uh-huh. And um, the theory is that maybe that is a reference to the turtle. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, would... hiding. So uh, there are lots of references throughout the film, um, be it to like Nightmare on Elm Street or all of these other sort of 80s influences that we're talking about. But um, if there were, you know, references to the turtle throughout, I'd have to see the film again to sort of take them in. But I guarantee you, I'm pretty certain we're going to be getting some turtle action next next film. But overall, your initial your, your thoughts on the film is you really enjoyed it. It's Did. one of your favourite films that you've seen this year, maybe? Uh, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, definitely, I, definitely my favourite horror film. Oh, definitely. Um, I think it was... Remember, I don't think it's a horror film. I think it's more of an adventure film. But I, I think it's definitely, in terms of like one of my favourite genres, which is this, like like we said, Spielberg, kids against the world kind of mentality. I love that sort of stuff. Um, I just, I was so happy. I came out of the cinema grinning, just like I was so happy that they pulled off such a great vibe and atmosphere with the film. Um yeah. And that, 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 you know, similar to like when I finished Stranger Things, similar to like when I saw Super 8 for the first time or or when I watched E.T. as a kid or The Goonies or, you know, all these sorts of different films that centre on kids fighting the supernatural. I just, yeah, I love it. All right, well, I think we should wrap it up. But we yes. very much enjoyed the film and cannot wait for the sequel. Um and cannot wait to see who they cast as the adult kids because I think that's going to be really, really good. Um, but we are going to be doing, uh, we're getting very busy. We're doing podcasts on Blade Runner 2049. I want to do a Rick and Morty podcast with you, Gaz, to cover season three. And we're also going to do a Stranger Things season one uh, review uh, as a preview to season two, which we'll be covering as of October 27th. Um, and yeah, stay tuned for, for more fan critical content. Uh, thanks for joining me today, Gaz. You're very welcome. Thank and, you. Uh, bye, guys. Thanks for listening. See ya. <laughs>